Greetings, everyone. I'm Pastor Evan. Delighted to have you here at First Covenant this morning. That was fun. I don't know why I don't get stuffed animals during the sermon. I guess I could bring my own in the future. But I don't want anybody to get jealous. All right, let's read our text today. If you're following along, and I encourage you to do so, Genesis 37, verses 1 through 11 will be our text. We're going to read this, but we're actually kind of alluding to almost everything that goes on in Joseph's life this morning, but we'll just read this part of it and make some heads or tails out of this as we move forward. Genesis 37, verses 1 through 11. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen. To this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. We've been covering, as we get to the last two weeks of our series on Genesis, we've been covering the fact that God is a God of blessing and promise. And over and over and over as God establishes both the world and his relationship with humans and his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob, we recognize a couple of things that God really does bless and God really has made a promise and God really is good on that. But we can get to this point in the text in the story, and we can note two observations. It seems at this point as if an awful lot of people have forgotten the promises of God. I mean, it doesn't seem evident when you kind of move forward. It seems like, yeah, Jacob must have been teaching them something, but we're not seeing it here, and and the way that their family works is fairly dysfunctional. We can just put it that way. So all the parties in the story seem to have forgotten the promises of God or aren't acting upon that, that knowledge. And the second thing is, it plays off the first, is that when we forget God, we sow the seeds of our own problems. When we forget God, we sow the seeds of our own problems. And and I want to point out a few things about the text, and then we'll work through it um, with kind of a specific, uh, uh, as you saw in the children's sermon, jealousy is kind of in mind here, but there's more to it than that. Let's start with this. If Jacob, who is also known as Israel, Jacob Israel, if he were to write a book on parenting or on being a husband, I don't think we'd want to read it. Anybody else get that impression as you've followed this story? Uh, He's playing favorites. 
among his wives. He's playing favorites among his kids. It's obviously causing a lot of problems uh, within the family. The second thing we can recognize, and I'm going to burst some bubbles, and I'm sorry about this this morning, the coat is not necessarily of many colors. It doesn't necessarily tell us it's that. It's just ornate is what's most important about that. It could have been of many colors, could have been a patchwork coat. It doesn't really say. It says it's ornate. And the point is, it's not a working coat, right? This isn't the thing you're going to go out in the fields wearing. This is something that's obviously special, and especially in a time when people would have had very few special possessions like this, it would have been very noteworthy that the father, Jacob, had taken this extra expense, this extra time to lavish it on Joseph. It would have been very notable. The third thing we can recognize, and I don't know if you caught this in the text, his brothers hate him. Did you catch it? Did you catch it in uh, verses 4, I believe 5, 8, 10, and then 11? It's there. Uh, He says in verse 4, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Verse 5, they hated him all the more. Verse 8, guess what they did? They hated him all the more. And by verse 11, his brothers were jealous of him. Now, as you read forward in the story, that jealousy turns into envy is what I would suggest. They don't use a word, but that's what it becomes, and that's the natural progression. If we let something like jealousy take hold, it moves towards envy, and that's what I want to explore today is the issue of jealousy, but I also want to explore the issue of of zeal and where our passion, passion should lie. And so what we'll notice, like I said, it seems like they've forgotten the fact that God is a part of this, that God is Uh, has promised and has continued to bless, it doesn't seem present in the way that they function as a family. And I want us to keep that in mind because we're doing something with that this week, but the resolution of the story is where we get next week, and we'll definitely see that God was active and working all throughout this, all throughout the dreams and what's going on. God has been there. Their response to it uh, is just wanting at this point. No one seems to notice. And I want us to to think about that first and foremost before we even get to jealousy, just to make note of the fact that we're going through an awful lot of turmoil and difficulty right now, aren't we? Culturally, nationally, we're going through a lot of issues with COVID-19, with protests going on, with uh, awakening to many areas of injustice that have gone on for a long time, and having those conversations and trying to discuss what resolutions would look like. But in the midst of all that, in the midst of turmoil that can go on all around us, just like it can go on in the lives of Joseph here, guess what? God is still here and at work. Anybody in the house believe that? God is still here and at work. In the midst of whatever turmoil can go on around us, even when we can't quite discern what God is doing, God is still at work. And so that gets to the real point I want us to catch today. No matter what's going on around us, We are supposed to live passionately for God's will and God's way. That's our call at all times, whether things are calm or completely chaotic around us. Even when it seems like we're not sure what God is doing and what God is up to, we must live passionately for God's will and God's way. The question is, what takes us away from that passion? What takes us away from putting our energy towards that? I would suggest in this case, we can see that forgetfulness of God's promises leads to specifically jealousy in this case. They sow the seeds of their own problems by forgetting God. Let's explore that a little bit. You see, I say that we should live passionately for God's will and God's way. What that is, the nice word for that, a simple package of zeal for God, which is a word related to jealousy. That's why I bring it up. 
We should zeal as enthusiasm for a thing or a cause. It's passionate commitment to something, and it can be positive. It can be negative. My dog is zealous about squirrels, right? She was out chasing them for a couple hours yesterday. She almost got one. It was very close. Those squirrels were not paying attention. Even more, and if you have dogs, you know this, sometimes they just get something in their mind and they will not give it up. We had a, a tube that was under our, our porch, a drain tube that wasn't being used and about seven feet long and there was a baby bunny that had decided to make a home in the middle of it. Well, the dog is going from end to end. Zeal on both ends, just constantly sticking her nose in there trying to figure out how do I get you know, three and a half feet down to this little baby bunny. Comes in the house, what does she want to do? Immediately go out comes in the house, what does she want to do immediately? Like, she can't get it out of her head. That's zeal. That's zeal. Jesus, in Luke chapter 15, he tells three parables. He tells the story uh, of the woman who lost a coin from basically the wedding band of her, her wedding band. She lost the coin. It fell down. She tears apart the house to find the coin and then throws a party when she finds the coin. And that's how much Jesus says the angels in heaven celebrate when one lost person is found, just like that coin. That's how much zeal the Lord has for us. Jesus tells a second parable of the lost sheep. That how much, won't the shepherd leave the 99 to go get the one? That's how much zeal the Lord has, passionate commitment to see his creation come back to him. There's that zeal for our salvation, for God's kingdom come. That's what God illustrates. Jesus tells us that. We can see in Hebrews chapter 6, starting at verse 13, it talks about the promise God made to Abraham. It said, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, and this is the promise, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. So after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. That's a really short version of the story of Abraham. Was Abraham always passionately, zealously for the things God was for throughout that whole covenant promise fulfillment that was going on? No, he turned away at times. God was always zealous for him to succeed, but by the end, Guess what? We see that Abraham is all in. Abraham's zeal, his passion is there. And that's what God wants from us. You see, our goal must be to live passionately committed to God's promises. To the salvation that God offers, but particularly to God's kingdom come. And that's going to have day-to-day outlets and ways that that works. You know, that does mean that uh, if we're in it for the kingdom, that means there is a day-to-day call to seek the lost, to make sure justice occurs to make sure that uh, we care for what God has created, to make sure that relationships are reconciled, those things are part of kingdom life and how we should operate. And we know we should have that zeal, but we see in the story that that kind of zeal for God's promises, for God's blessing, can go quite wrong. And jealousy is what gets in there. Joseph's brothers have negative kind of zeal. It's jealousy in the bad way. Now, jealousy can go positive or negative just like zeal can. Jealousy is concern for the purity or integrity of something, basically speaking. That's what, we, that's what jealousy wants to make sure that the thing is preserved in a positive sense. So I think we can see that God is jealous, right? That's that zeal being played out in a specific way. The second commandment um, has God jealous for his creation, for humans specifically. If I can find the passage, here we go. Genesis 20, or Exodus 20. The second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an image 
in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath, beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Why is God jealous? Isn't that bad? Isn't that sinful? No, it's not in this case. It's zeal for the right thing in a specific way. God is jealous for the purity and integrity of his relationship with humanity. That that not be sullied by the worship of other gods or by the inappropriate worship of the one true God by getting the wrong image. That's why we don't make an image. God is jealous for that to be maintained. You can see that as well in a sort of a, a human relationship way most strongly in, let's say, a marriage. It'd be the same kind of a thing. That there would be jealousy that can be there in a positive sense to preserve the relationship if something goes wrong or if something is threatened within the relationship. That's jealousy in a positive sense. The purity or integrity of the relationship is at stake. And so that's why, by the way, we can point out again when we see polygamy or uh, currently the pull towards polyamory or even cohabitation, those kinds of things just confuse that sort of jealousy that could be there and confuse the relationship. They don't work. Consequently, though, you can have the positive kind of jealousy that God could have, but for the most part, we probably struggle more with the uh, negative side in this life with what we could put in the 10th commandment category of coveting our neighbor's ox and all kinds of other things, right? We want what somebody else has. That's jealousy. And it's not a healthy thing at that point. And when jealousy crosses the line, we can see with the brothers, it becomes envy. So in a positive sense, uh, that the best kind of zeal and jealousy that we can see, uh, we could have fidelity to God and to God's way and to God's will. That's what we want. Jealousy uh, can work out in human relationships positively, as we've said, if we want to maintain the integrity of those relationships. But it crosses the line when it says, I want what you have. I don't care about you anymore. And then it moves even further down the line if it gets to envy, which envy then has malice for someone. I don't just want what you have. I want things to go badly for you because you have it. That's the, the path that it takes them on. When we forget God, you see, we sow the seed of our own problems, and that's what's happened for Joseph and his brothers at this point. So let's turn it around there. As we've considered all that, because that's a lot to take in, I understand, let's consider what it means to be zealous for the Lord then. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who made the covenant. God is the God of blessing and promise, and that's a good thing. And we're heirs of that promise through Jesus Christ if we've said yes to him. That's still what God did with Abraham still affects us now and will continue to affect us into the future. Jacob appears to have forgotten God's work in his life. It leads to chaos in his family. It leads to enmity, to envy in the end. And I would suggest that jealousy, if we're going to analyze it, negative jealousy does three things at least to us when we let it take root, once we've forgotten God and gone down this kind of a path. Jealousy doesn't solve problems, although it appears to at first. And you can see that with Joseph's brothers. It looks like what they end up doing is they end up, uh, well, they're going to kill him, but then they do the honorable thing, right? And they just sell him into slavery. Well, who came up with this idea? It's not better at all. It's horrible what they do to Joseph. And then we'll tell dad that we killed, that he died by an animal. This is awful, all of it. The brothers are just acting in awful ways. Now, Joseph appears to uh, uh, not be clued in at times, uh, or, or he seems to have some kind of arrogance or something is going on, or naivety or both, some combination. But 
it doesn't solve problems because it looks like it solves their problems. Oh, we're rid of this brother now. But guess what? They have to go back to dad and lie. And then their dad is never the same after that. There's all this grief that comes in with it. I mean, they just make a bad situation worse. It doesn't solve a thing for them. It just makes it worse. The second thing is, it doesn't make them any more like the image of God. By expressing this jealousy in a negative sense, they dehumanize their brother and they ultimately dehumanize themselves in the process. They don't look more like God because God wouldn't do that. That's not how God operates, and they're not operating that way. And the third thing is, it really ignores your true identity and substitutes that identity for a false one is what happens. Like when you walk down that path, you're really trying to be something else or someone else or have what somebody else has, which isn't really what you're supposed to have in that case. I wish I had X, Y, or Z. I wish I was like X, Y, or Z is not going to really solve anything. It's just going to take you down these negative paths. And, and it can happen to any of us in our, our jobs. It can happen to us in our lives with other relationships or with, as parents with how other kids operate, whatever it might be. We can think, I wish if I just had that thing, everything would be better. But it doesn't really solve those problems. And so the problem, if we want to make sure that we don't forget God in the process and actually live passionately committed to God's will and way, we need to move away from committing the sin of the 10th commandment, which is really jealousy in the end, and move back to the first and second. Remember who God is and not have any false images, but worship the one true God. And remember how he's blessed and promised and fulfilled those blessings and promises. You see, sometimes we have very poor memories of God's blessings. Sometimes we just don't recount those things as well as we think we do. We can easily complain. We can easily take good things from God for granted. And we can, and see if you've committed this, we can, want, we can, let, us, uh, we can let what we want rob us of what we have. Anybody ever have that problem? What I want robs me of what I have. Our goal must be to live passionately committed to God's promises, and it's not going to happen when we are envious or even worse, or jealous or even worse, envious. And so I want to give you a simple challenge to keep the main thing the main thing and put our mind regularly back on where it should be in that commitment and zeal for God and God's ways. You can, if you want to take this in a broad way, you can write down uh, your entire history with God, if you haven't considered that. I don't know if you've noticed, through Scripture, that happens actually a lot. Stephen, before he's martyred, does it. Paul does it when he's before the authorities. Uh, it happens a lot, recounting of how God has worked and blessed. But I'm going to present to you a much simpler path um, that I myself have been trying, and I would encourage you to try it as well, which is simply this. Just write down one daily thing that God did, a way that you saw God act, in a place where you're going to be able to look back at it, so I am the worst journaler in the world. I'm terrible at it. I think it's a wonderful practice. I'm miserable at journaling. Um, but I use, a, I use a digital calendar, and this year I'm using a physical calendar as well to do other practices with the physical calendar. And writing down at the end of each day, basically at the end of the work day, what's one way I saw God working? That's it, just one. 365 of those will add up. Isn't that correct? I mean, you start writing those down, and you can look back, and you can see, okay, God is a God of blessing, and it's hard for me to forget that. 
each day I can look back and see and recollect what God has been doing. We need to be zealous, passionate for the will and way of God. We only do that by remembering, not forgetting, what God has been up to in our lives. I told you in Luke chapter 15, as we draw it to a close here, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three parables. He tells the lost sheep, the lost coin. The third one he tells is of the lost son, the prodigal. God's zeal is expressed through that story for that lost son when he comes back. And that's God's zeal for you and for me. He never gives up. He never stops blessing. He never stops fulfilling that promise. How much will you match God's zeal for you each and every day? Let's pray together. Lord, I'm thankful that you never give up. You would forego the 99 to bring us back to you as the one. You essentially would tear the world apart to save us, in a sense. Of course, it's your creation. You're not going to ruin it. But Lord, you gave us your only son. You gave us your only son for salvation. Help us not take for granted what you have done, what your promise entails, and what it calls of us. That we wouldn't simply take the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus, and then go about our lives ignoring you. Because that isn't salvation, Lord. That isn't what you've called us to. But that we would each and every day dig in further with greater zeal to what you've called us to, who you've called us to be, and how you've called us to operate in this world. That we wouldn't forget you, but we would remember your goodness daily and regularly and operate as if you are the Father calling us back to you. Lord, help us move forward with such zeal for your will and ways. Amen.